Good morning. How are you this morning? Good? Good. It's great to be here with you. Hasn't this been just a glorious morning of worship here? Do you feel it? Do you feel the Spirit of God in this place? I do, and I'm, I'm at peace, and I'm trembling, and I'm all these things. I just feel the Spirit of God here in such a powerful, beautiful way today. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully um, this morning. Thank you, Jim, for sharing your story with us. What incredible pictures um, you have of, of your story, of your history, and it's so beautiful to be able to listen um, and to take that in. Let the redeemed tell their story. Well, I'm not telling my personal story of redemption this morning, but I am telling the redemption story. That is a part of my story, and it's a part of your story. We finally arrive at Jesus in our series today. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's exciting. And now, I understand why many, why so many people like to, to stay in the New Testament where Jesus is because he's Jesus and he's the one who gives us such incredible hope for today. But we can't deny how important the Old Testament is, right? We can't deny how important it is in, in our understanding of God and who he is and of his holiness and his love for humanity. If you didn't think it was important before, I hope we've helped you to see over these past few weeks just how important the Old Testament is, how important all of Scripture is. I mean, we can't fully appreciate the gospel message. We can't fully appreciate what God has done for us through Jesus if we don't take into account the whole story from the beginning and all that transpires for humans in between there, from the garden where humans and God share the same space and love and freedom and peace to choosing sin and being banished from that unified space with God because sin creates separation, a barrier to God. So out over the last few weeks, we've seen God's faithfulness to Israel even though they would continually make mistakes, mess up, and sin, and choose to worship idols like the other religions around them, and who would just continually forget about God's holiness and faithfulness to them. God raises up judges and prophets to remind them and call them back to becoming the people, the nation, that God had called them to be, that he had covenanted them to be. Fred shared last Sunday about David and how God called and equipped David to be Israel's king. And it's through David's lineage that the Messiah, the king, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, would ultimately come and rescue humanity. 
And so this is why we pick up the story with Jesus today. Yes, we're aware we've missed many books in the Old Testament. And it's because the intent of the series is to follow the narrative arc of the scriptures. So we're not going into all the prophetic books that they take place throughout the narrative and we have referenced them in the past and again we will today but those books aren't narrative in and of themselves and so very 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 briefly then just to get us from david to jesus we have solomon david's son taking the throne building the temple he was a wise ruler but fell captive to the same story we've seen over and over again, chooses sin. As a result of his sin, the kingdom gets divided between the north and the south, and basically every king after would follow the pattern of sin and fail to follow the Lord's commands. Both kingdoms would fall short of their covenant with God because of sin. As a result, they would be exiled to Assyria and Babylon and Solomon's temple would be destroyed and this is all about a thousand years I'm trying to cover here so very 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 brief very brief long story short to get to Jesus today Israel would return from exile to Jerusalem um, another temple would be built and despite the despair and depravity Israel had faith that God would fulfill his promises to them, his promises about a new covenant, a new creation, and a new kingdom. And so, as we land in the New Testament today, we begin to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God had been doing in the Old Testament. Jesus is who they were waiting for. So, Let's consider some of the parallels between Jesus and the Old Testament for a moment. The prophets give Israel visions of the new king, one who will reign forever, as we learned last week from David's story. The book of Daniel, it's an incredible book of prophecy. Daniel was a faithful and righteous servant of God and the law, and he remained faithful even after being captured and brought to Babylon, you know, living in a land that didn't follow God or his laws. They had their own gods. But God gives Daniel the gift of interpreting dreams and gives him his own dreams and visions. One of those visions describes Jesus as our king. And this is about 600 years before Jesus comes onto the scene. In Daniel chapter 7, we read this. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him the Messiah was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Jesus Christ, the rescuer, the king of kings, establishing his kingdom here and now and ultimately and in completion, as this vision shows us, 
when he comes again. We looked at the tabernacle and the role of the high priest and sacrificing lambs for the forgiveness of sins together. And God puts all of these things into place in the Old Testament um, to create a space for humans to be in his presence, to experience a piece of the original garden life. Again, to experience forgiveness from sin and to be in a covenanted relationship with God, their defender, provider, sustainer, rescuer. While Jesus becomes all of this, he is the new tabernacle and the great high priest and the perfect and final sacrificial lamb. So remember the tabernacle and all of those ornate details that God instructed Moses in building this. In the book of Hebrews, we read how the tabernacle and temple served as a copy and shadow of heavenly things. God commanded this to be built so that humans could have a way to be in God's space, in God's presence again. We know Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle and the temple, our scripture passage from John, and we shared this when we looked at the tabernacle together a few weeks ago, says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. And the original Greek of that word dwelt literally means tabernacle or tented. God in the flesh comes to dwell with his people, to share space with people. John 2, 19 to 21, Jesus says this, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews replied, it took 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple which was his body. Mark 14 and 58 says this, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands and within three days I will build another made without hands. So this kind of physical temple was, is no longer required for people to experience God's presence. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the way was paved for people to dwell with God, for God to dwell in his people through his Holy Spirit, which lives in us, when we choose to follow him. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We learn how Jesus is our new high priest. Hebrews 4.14-16 tells us this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time <clears throat> of need. We don't have to wait for a specific day or time 
or go through a high priest to receive God's forgiveness. We can pray in faith, believing that when we confess our sin to him, he is faithful to forgive. He's faithful to forgive. Jesus, the ultimate, final, sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb that we read about in Exodus, is a prophetic picture of Jesus. Pastor Jacob walked us through this a few weeks ago, and as I get to make this all about Jesus this morning, I want to share some Jewish culture, the Hebraic roots of our faith with you around this for a moment. In Exodus 12, God instructs Moses about selecting the Passover lamb for sacrifice. Just as a reminder for us, the Passover feast was to be a continual reminder for God's people about his rescuing them um, from Egypt and rescuing them from the temp plague when on their doorposts they had to take the blood of a lamb and mark it around their doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over and that they would be saved. The blood would protect their family, their house. So God instructs Israel to observe the Passover to commemorate um, this, uh, his rescuing them and saving them, their deliverance. So we parallel this with Jesus and his death this morning. In Jesus' day, many Jews would have traveled to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Hundreds and thousands of Jews would come to Jerusalem with their lamb to be sacrificed for the sins of their household. It was a big ordeal. And what scripture doesn't explicitly tell us is the cultural understandings and just historical context for the Jewish people here. It's, it's not spelled out for us. We have to study the culture along with the scriptures to gain a deeper understanding and appreciation of what's going on in between the lines, so to speak. And so here's what I've learned and relearned recently in my life group as we've been studying the Holy Feasts together. The high priest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Glad to see we're all on the same page here. That's great. That's great. Okay. So the high priest has to go and select a perfect lamb, a lamb without any spot or blemish or defect. It has to be perfect. That was always God's command, beginning in Exodus 12. It's the only way that sins would be covered through the sacrifice of this perfect lamb. Now, all the lambs that were to be sacrificed for Passover in Jerusalem by the high priest were selected from a specific field in Bethlehem. A certain field where the flocks were being watched over and cared for to ensure they were perfect. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Spotless, sinless, perfect. After the high priest found a lamb, he would enter through the eastern gate with it. And this would happen four days before Passover. It's what we recognize 
as Palm Sunday. When we read in the scriptures about Jesus coming through the Eastern Gate riding on a donkey, we read how the crowds were gathered there. Do you ever wonder why the crowds were just gathered there at the Eastern Gate? All of Jerusalem was gathered there because it was four days before Passover and they were waiting for the high priest to come and enter through that gate with the sacrificial lamb, the perfect lamb. And Jesus rides through the eastern gate. Earlier in the scriptures, John the Baptist declares Jesus as what? The lamb. The lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So fast forward to Passover, and I'm skipping more parallels here for the sake of time, but God's Holy Feast by Joe Armoral, I've referenced him before, does an excellent job of teaching us about the Jewish culture and traditions, if you'd like to read up on it. On Passover, lambs were being sacrificed at the temple from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's the time frame that we learn from history, that lambs would be sacrificed. After 3 p.m., no more lambs would be sacrificed. That would be it. Finished. When does Jesus die? Matthew 27, 45 tells us this, at noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Down to verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. That moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At 3 p.m., they were done sacrificing lambs for the day, for their households, for their nation. And at the same time, Jesus, the lamb, died for the sins of the world. It was finished. Lambs would no longer need to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, the lamb, the perfect ultimate and final sacrifice. His blood paid the price of humanity's sin once and for all. Jesus, our lamb, our king, creating a way for us to live in God's space while still being on this earth. You'll remember when Pastor Jacob started our series, he spoke about Jesus appearing to two of his followers on the road to Emmaus after his death and resurrection. And they were sad and discouraged after all that had happened to Jesus, not fully understanding what happened to him. And they said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Jesus says to them, you foolish people, You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He later appears to his disciples and followers, eats with them and says, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all 
the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. It was God's plan from the beginning to send us a savior, a rescuer, and that it would be his own son, Jesus. Just listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians in chapter 1. I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase. It says this, How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. The NIV translation says it like this, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Sometimes we hear people talk about dying and going to heaven, and I'm not disputing that. I believe that heaven is real. The scriptures make that clear. But what we've come to hopefully understand through this series together, is that Jesus is the King of kings who unites heaven and earth. We live on earth with God's glorious presence today because of all that Jesus has done for us through his life, death, and resurrection. And we build his kingdom while we are here by bearing his image, living out holiness, wherever we are. We build his kingdom here by serving his church, his bride, so that the world will know who he is when they see us. 
And one day when Jesus comes again, his kingdom will be brought to completion. Amen? Amen. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he began to preach and teach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. From the Amplified Translation, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We've all fallen short, like Madeline has alluded to this morning, we are not unlike the Israelites, we often see ourselves in their story. We're all in need of God's forgiveness. Every single one of us are in need of God's forgiveness. And it doesn't matter how far we've fallen. Hope is not lost. Hope is never lost in Jesus There's nothing or no one that is beyond God's redemption. Amen? No one, no one is beyond God's redemption. When we come to Jesus with a repentant heart, we receive mercy and grace and a place in his kingdom. The barrier of sin is broken and removed and we're free to be in his space when god gave us jesus heaven entered our world god's kingdom was being established as we read the gospel of matthew in particular um, we see how god's kingdom is here but not fully here rather his kingdom will be brought to completion when jesus returns And that's where Pastor Jacob will take us next week. So you won't want to miss that. Make sure you're here because the story's not over. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they come, I'd like to revisit that verse in Ephesians we just shared. Chapter 1, verse 12, where Paul says to us, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. So friends, who are we? Who are we? We are deeply loved by God. Amen? Deeply loved by God. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are made whole and holy through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, and through his blood shed for us on the cross. We are a part of his bride, his church. We are given the gift of his Holy Spirit as believers in Jesus. And his spirit guides us in our walk in this world. His spirit fills us with peace and hope 
and enables us to live in God's holy presence. What are we living for? Somebody help me out. What are we living for? We're living for God's glorious kingdom, the fulfillment of his glorious kingdom, a kingdom that is built on love and justice and mercy and grace and freedom, a kingdom where our space and God's space will be one again, completely unified. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We live for the fulfillment of God's eternal kingdom. This is who we are, and this is what we're living for. And if you're here this morning, and this is news to you, if you're hearing this for the first time, or if you haven't accepted this as truth, I pray that changes for you today. I pray that changes for you today. One final thought before we worship. Throughout the Old Testament, we see how genealogy and lineology, recording family lineage was important. Family was determined by blood. Well, God's family is no longer determined by family blood like it was once before through Abraham's covenant. Now, accepting and applying the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives personally is what makes us a part of God's family. And everyone is invited to take the blood, to apply it personally. Everyone's invited to receive forgiveness through the life and blood of Jesus. His blood cleanses and forgives, redeems, restores, makes us whole again, and calls us sons and daughters. I pray that if you haven't accepted this invitation before, I pray that today you will. I pray that today you will. I pray that today you'll believe in the blood that was shed for you and the forgiveness that God longs to shower you with, the forgiveness from sin that God offers you. Jesus died to save you. He died to save me. This is our redemption story. This is our redemption story, and you're included, and I'm included. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. God, you have not abandoned us or left us broken and lost. God, but you have paved a way for us to receive life and forgiveness and peace and to live in your holy presence. God, we give you thanks for that. I pray for everyone here this morning, all those tuning in online, that we would all take your blood and apply it personally, that we would receive your forgiveness, God, and that we would live our lives in such a way um, that we just follow you in all things and all ways, because your way is best. You have always known what is best for your people. And we've all messed that up at one time or another or continuously. And today, God, we just thank you that you see us, that you forgive, 
you redeem and you restore. You give us hope and you give us life. As we worship you, we pray that you, God, by your spirit would fill us to overflowing with your glorious, holy, wonderful presence today. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.